Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, December 2nd, and we're talking about Facebook's $6 billion plan and tech share buybacks. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined on Skype by Fool.com senior tech specialist, Daniel Sparks. Daniel, how's it going? Good, Dylan. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah. So, Daniel, a surprise announcement about two weeks ago. Uh, unfortunately, we missed hitting this because of the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, Facebook said it plans to buy back $6 billion worth of its own stock. I think that surprised people a little bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely came surprised to me. Yeah, you know, you typically think of some high growth tech company uh, as one that will not be spending cash on its own shares. Uh, what are some of the terms uh, that they announced? Well, let's see. So it's a $6 billion program, uh, goes into effect in the first quarter of next year. There's no expiration date on it or really any stipulations as far as the timing goes. Uh, management seemed uh, to suggest that, you know, it'd be that the stock price would matter. Uh, they did mention that as one of the factors that would determine how much uh, they're buying back. But uh, at $6 billion, you know, it could be somewhat just to offset uh, stock-based compensation. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But, you know, this is a $320 billion uh, market capitalization company, so $6 billion isn't, isn't too big, uh, but it is notable. They have $26 billion on their balance sheet right now, uh, of, of which $4 billion is overseas. So, uh, they do have the cash to spare. They have free cash flow coming in. Uh, so, that's kind of it in a nutshell. Yeah, very often with these announcements, you'll see management says, we will buy back shares opportunistically, right? And that is uh, kind of that element of timing you're talking about a little bit. So, seeing times where they think shares might be undervalued. And just kind of as a refresher on buybacks for any investors, uh, maybe a little bit newer to the game, um, basically, this is when a company buys back its own shares from the marketplace. Um, There are kind of a couple main reasons why they might choose to do this. One of them mainly being they believe the company is currently undervalued, and so they believe you know buying them at a discount is a move that is uh, accredited to shareholders as it reduces the number of shares outstanding. It also boosts earnings per share, which people always love. Um, one of the other main reasons you'll see, and I think this is something that we'll see as a common thread with a lot of the tech companies we'll talk about today, is it's a measure to help offset the growing shares outstanding number. And when you look at an industry where stock-based compensation is extremely common and tends to balloon, um, you see a lot of tech names using buybacks as a mechanism to kind of rein in a rising share outstanding number. Um, I'll say also, it's something that's kind of fairly common for more mature companies. Uh, you know, companies that tend to have a decent amount of cash sitting around, um, and I think that part of the reason people were a little surprised to see this from Facebook. Is like I mentioned before, you don't see a lot of high growth, relatively young public companies set up buyback programs. A lot of times, these businesses are kind of so preoccupied with the cash that they're generating and just taking it and reinvesting it right back into the business in new initiatives, things that will really fuel top and bottom line growth, that more kind of Wall Street friendly moves like share buybacks or capital return programs more broadly uh, aren't even top of mind for them. what are your thoughts on this, Daniel? So, you know, like I said, at $6 billion, I do think that this is uh, not necessarily really a capital return program, uh, like, like you might think of uh, Apple's, which actually, you know, goes to reduce uh, the sh- total share count. Uh, because, you know, when we look at stock based compensation in the 12 trailing months, you know, it's over $3 billion. 
2015 was just under $3 billion. And then uh, 2014, Facebook paid stock-based compensation of uh, just under $2 billion. So when you look at this trajectory of Facebook's stock-based compensation, uh, it looks like when the company authorized $6 billion that uh, their stock-based compensation could potentially even equal $6 billion in, uh, in 2017 when the program starts, especially considering how fast the company is growing uh, and that next year is supposed to be a big investment year. So my general thoughts on this is that, you know, it, it does make sense because Facebook is uh, generating more cash flow. And like I said, it was a surprise when they first announced it. But after, you know, you begin to think about it, you see Facebook does have a lot of cash. Uh, they are paying out a lot in stock-based compensation. Uh, but, yeah, it's not necessarily capital return. It's more offsetting uh, the dilution that comes with the massive stock-based compensation of retaining talent in Silicon Valley. Yeah, if you look at their shares outstanding since going public, they've gone from around $2.1 billion in 2013 to close to $2.9 billion now. So, that just kind of gives you an idea of uh, stock-based compensation's impact on the business and um, you know their hopes that they can rein that in a little bit. I will say, for Facebook investors, um, this might be a pretty solid time for them to be able to opportunistically buy shares. I know the authorization doesn't really allow them to start acting on this for a little while, but you look at you know how they've been over the last month or so, um, for a company that's been a market darling for a very long time, it seems like Facebook's kind of fallen on some hard times. Yeah, I, I think that that brings up uh, why I can understand that they're actually doing this. Uh, not only do they have the cash flow, but the timing does look good. Um, you know, sure, uh, Facebook has a PE ratio of 44, uh, but when you look at their forward PE ratio and their earnings are estimated to grow next year, uh, that PE ratio could get into the 20s, which you know, for a company growing as fast as Facebook, that's actually a pretty a pretty low uh, price to earnings ratio. And then you know, you factor in what you might think of uh, Facebook's competitive advantage, which, in my personal opinion, I think network effects are one of the most powerful ones, especially given Facebook's huge uh, huge network effect. You know, they have over a billion daily active users. Uh, so I I just think that that this is a good time for Facebook to be buying back their own stock. Yeah, you talked about them being at 44 as a trailing PE right now. Uh, you go back a year and they were double that. And you know, that's not to say the company hasn't performed and the stock hasn't performed well. You know, uh, they're certainly up year to date um, and over the last 12 months. But um, I think that's just a, a testament to the fact that you know, valuations creep down a little bit as the business has kind of continued to perform, and um, those bottom line numbers look pretty good for them. So, you know, could be a good opportunity for them, and and certainly at the scale they're doing it, um, it won't be something that's massively disruptive because they're in such a great financial position. Uh, one of the things that I think is kind of curious is, and, and maybe why some people were caught a little bit off guard by this. Was most of the rhetoric from uh, Facebook's management in the most recent calls had been talking about how 2017 was a year of investment, right? And mm-hmm. we don't really think of that as uh, share repurchase programs. We kind of think of that more as investing in the business, right? Right, and that is interesting. Uh, but I think that the narrative and these uh, these Palo Alto, Silicon Valley companies. Uh, in in the Bay Area is really they're starting to think of investments as talent. Of course, 
you know, they are making big investments in other areas, and I'm sure we'll see uh, some acquisitions and uh, some investments in, in the product. But at the end of the day, it's really expensive to retain talent. Uh, and Facebook realizes that for them to stay ahead, they're going to have to make some massive investments in talent. When when you actually look closely at Facebook's most recent earnings call, you'll see uh, a r- huge emphasis on Facebook focusing on uh, maintaining talent. Uh, so when they say it's going to be a big investment year, I, I think a lot of that has to do with their expected jump in stock-based compensation. So when you factor in this uh, repurchase program with their expected stock-based compensation, all of this starts to make a little bit more sense. Yeah. And to kind of look to another company that seems to be using share buybacks kind of the same way, why don't we talk about Alphabet a little bit? Um, This is a business that finally initiated a buyback program in late 2015, which was over 10 years after going public as Google. And I think really, when you look at what they've done with buybacks in the last year, that's going to be kind of a blueprint for what we can expect from Facebook. Uh, it seems like it's been opportunistic, and it's really just to offset stock-based compensation again, right? Right. Yeah, Alphabet is is definitely a really good example of uh, how investors might want to think about the Facebook program right now. Um, so Alphabet in 2015 announces announced that they're going to do a five point one billion dollar uh, repurchase program, and at the time, uh, you could look at the pace of their stock-based compensation and say, "Hey, this probably is going to equal out to about their stock-based compensation." And sure enough, over the next three months, it it did uh, equal out to about that. Um, but they ended up exhausting all of their funds before the uh, before twelve months, which they didn't have a stipulation on when the program would end. But um, my guess is they had planned on it lasting over 12 months, but Alphabet was opportunistic with this um, and started purchasing more of their shares, which in retrospect ended up looking good uh, because the stock is up, trading higher now. Uh, So yeah, this is kind of what Alphabet did, and hopefully this could be how Facebook's Facebook's looks going, going ahead because you know, right now we, we see the same thing with Facebook. The shares do look like they're pretty good value. Uh, hopefully, Facebook will be opportunistic and maybe uh, front load this this program. Uh, again, there's no expiration date, so we're not exactly sure what this means. But but um, yeah, so if it looks anything like Alphabet's, that would be good. And looking forward out beyond even just 2017, we see what Alphabet's done with a second program, this time a $7 billion program, on top of the 5.1 that they already exhausted. Um, I think that's a signal that this is going to be kind of a mainstay now that they've established they want to be a little bit more Wall Street friendly under CFO Ruth Porat. And um, I wouldn't be shocked at all to see, you know, once Facebook runs through this initial uh, share buyback authorization, that they continue to have this be kind of an ongoing program with subsequent authorizations in order to just continue to offset those rising share-based compensation numbers. Right, Alphabet, uh, they the seven point one seven billion dollar program does make sense. Uh, I think investors should be happy about this. Uh, you look to at Alphabet's free cash flow, uh, their their cash on hand. So their trailing twelve month free cash flow is twenty three billion dollars. So they definitely have this kind of money to be spending seven billion dollars on uh, repurchasing shares. Uh, so, so that makes sense, uh, you know. And then the trajectory of free cash flow is huge. Uh, in two thousand 
2015, free cash flow was $16 billion. Uh, so it's definitely growing fast. Uh, a lot of excess cash here to be repurchasing shares. Um, I would say that I'd like them to be a little bit more opportunistic with the, the kind of cash flow they have and uh, hopefully spend uh, the money even faster this time around. But, you know, like you said, it's this is a continuation at $7 billion. The one before was $5.1 billion. So maybe we're starting to see the beginning of what could turn into a more aggressive buyback. Uh, but maybe it's too late then, you know, for it to be opportunistic. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, you have to realize that there's also money that needs to be sent into uh, the various segments that they're looking to grow, right? Right. Um, so those two companies that we talked about, both businesses that were in what I would say is very stable and strong growth financial positions. So I mean, they had a ton of cash on the books, and these buybacks made up a very small portion of what was available as cash. So you know, very little business risk there. Kind of on the flip side, and to talk about another tech buyback program that I think really just didn't go very well, we can look over at GoPro. Uh, you know, this is a business that announced a repurchase program, and when they did, shares were down over 60% from where they were a year prior. So it seemed like the timing could be opportunistic for them. The problem was it didn't really seem to be, right? Right. Uh, yeah, at the time, you know, GoPro's was facing headwinds already you know clearly you could see that by the stock price and it could be said that you know the stock price is down now uh, the company should be buying and at the time you know even onlookers might have looked at that and agreed with management but the reality is uh, headwinds continued to come the, the company uh, continued to struggle uh, revenue ended up plummeting in 2016 uh, the stock was the stock continued to fall and uh, this repro repurchase program ended up being a really bad decision. Uh, to its credit, GoPro did end up stop repurchasing shares. So the repurchase program was $300 million. They only executed about $35 million of that. And they, they only did that in the fourth quarter of, uh, of 2015. Um, and then they didn't buy a single share back in 2016. Uh, so that did help. But... Yeah, I mean, you look at the stock, and they paid around. I, I think it was a. It was around twenty-three dollars on average per share uh, when they spent that thirty-five million dollars. Uh, shares today are trading below ten dollars. So, uh, this was definitely a, a very poorly timed repurchase program, um, and and not just poorly timed for the stock price, uh, but. Now you look at GoPro's cash position, and they had $280 million when they started this program uh, because of the headwinds they've faced. They only have $132 million of cash and cash equivalents today. So $35 million uh, is is a big deal. Uh, at the time, it didn't seem like it, but now you know, spending $35 million on a $23 stock price that's trading at 9 bucks seems like a big mistake. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a great use of capital and a, and a good way to allocate capital. Like you said, thankfully, um, they decided to suspend the program or, or you know, just at least pause it. Um, and that's kind of that difference that we talk about between authorization and execution, right? Just because a business has a $300 million share buyback authorization does not mean that they will necessarily use all of it. It's simply what the board has decided they're able to do, right? Right. And, and GoPro, similar to Facebook and Alphabet, uh, the program ultimately would have uh, mostly just balanced out stock-based compensation 
anyways, uh, depending on how long they took to execute the program. Uh, but in 2015, uh, GoPro's stock-based compensation was about $80 million. So you have a $300 million program. Um, there, you know, There's not much left to actually reduce the share count. Yeah, it didn't seem to me like their stock-based comp was a runaway train the same way that it was for uh, Facebook or Google. I think um, if, if you're looking for some lessons on the GoPro side as an investor, um, two other things to just kind of keep in mind is they initiated or allowed for this authorization and finalized it uh, well within you know about a year and a half of going public, two years of going public. So um, that that's a very tight turnaround for deciding you are issuing shares and then deciding you are buying back shares. Um, that's a little bit of a head scratcher to me. And if you look at what they'd authorized for the buyback, three hundred million dollars. And you do a breakdown of the actual proceeds that went to GoPro from their June 2014 IPO before expenses, it was about $200 million. So you kind of have to wonder like, wait, why'd you guys go public to begin with if you didn't need this money, right? Um, it just seems kind of bizarre as a shareholder. It does. And then, you know, that, that brings up uh, if you were to think about, hey, what if they actually, instead of doing this $300 million program, doubled down on. Uh, execution and bringing their products to market, uh, would things have turned out differently? Uh, so, just something to think about. And that's ultimately the consideration with any of these share buyback programs, right? Is this all fits into a company's capital allocation program? And there are a bunch of different ways that a company can choose to use the cash and money it's been lent um, that's available to them. And and so buybacks is one, but investing in the business, uh, fueling growth in segments that might be really promising is another. And um, when your business isn't doing all that well, buying shares back might not necessarily be the best thing to do long term. It might make things kind of cosmetically look good short term, but um, you know it's not really a super sustainable thing to be doing. Right. Um, anything else on GoPro, Alphabet, or Facebook before I let you go, Daniel? No, I think this is good. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, man. Thanks. Well, listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or you just want to reach out and say, hey, shoot us an email at industryfocus at pool.com. You can always tweet us at MFIndustryFocus. You've probably heard Chris Hill mention our daily news flash briefing that we produce for Amazon Echo. Now you can get that brand new skill from The Motley Fool. You can get stock quotes, create a watch list, ask Alexa how your portfolio is doing, and it's all free. For more details, including a demo on how it works, just go to www.pool.com Alexa. Of course, if you're looking for more of our stuff, you can subscribe on iTunes or check out The Fool's family of shows at pool.com podcasts. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. For Daniel Sparks, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening, and Fool on. Thank you.